This is Jay Allen Smith, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason Sacco. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. DTO Optics wants to be your optics provider. They offer rugged and dependable rifle scopes, binoculars, spotting scopes, and rangefinder options. You'll find big name quality optics at little name prices. DTO Optics is your value-based optics company providing awesome customer service, a 30-day love it or your money back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. Check out DTO Optics online at dtooptics.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Buck Fever Synthetics, the premier attractant company, making not only the finest whitetail synthetic attractants, but also scents for elk, moose, bear, and hog hunters. Use with Buck Fever's Vanishing Hunter to reduce your scent and see the difference. Put out Buck Fever year-round to have the animals coming in. It crystallizes in dry soil and reactivates with moisture, and it never spoils. It simply works. Go to BuckFeverUSA.com to see the full line of Buck Fever Synthetics. Make bucks hunt you. Proudly made in America. Racks, offering the coolest bow hanger on the market. Display your bow with pride in your house, your garage, or anywhere you'd like. We carry most major brands while also offering a custom service if you have an idea or logo of your own that you'd like made into a hanger. Use them to display your traditional bow, compound bow, or even your crossbow. They also work great for hanging your hunting gear, your bags, or hats. Not to mention the design just looks plain awesome all by themselves. A Rax hanger makes for a great gift for that special hunter in your life. Go to RaxInc.com to see some of the available designs or contact us to discuss the custom hanger of your own. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason podcast, use the promo code PODCAST and get 15% off your first order. Rax, show off your passion. Taltines Taxidermy is your mid-Michigan taxidermist, conveniently located in Clarksville, Michigan. Lanny specializes in white-tailed deer and any other big-game animals you harvest. As a boutique taxidermy studio, you know who's doing your taxidermy work. Let Lanny Ross, owner of Taltines Taxidermy Studio, show you why his motto, Preserving Memories, produces one-of-a-kind works of art for you. Reach Taltines Taxidermy at 616-723-7970. Top 10% Deer Management is the premier land management company to help you see better deer on your property. Whether you have 10 acres or 10,000 acres, let a top 10% representative begin to help increase the correct deer habitat on your property. Go to top10percentdeermanagement.com for an introduction. Top 10% Deer Management. Manage. Hunt. Harvest. A family-owned business. Welcome to this episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. As many of you know, I spent 14 years living in South Texas in the city of San Antonio. And one thing that is near and dear to many in Texas is the tradition of hunting. And years ago, I met a great person that was just fantastic to talk to. And her name was Jessica Taylor Byers. And I'm lucky today to have caught up with Jessica. And everybody, I hope you enjoy this. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's, it's good to connect with you again. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. It's been a number of years. And for the listeners, Jessica was with her husband, Braxton, at the Dallas Safari Club show, which is an amazing show that takes place in Dallas, Texas every year. And I always equate it to, remember what a Toys R Us was? If you ever were an adult and took a five-year-old and dropped them off at Toys R Us and watched their expression, that's what it's like for an adult walking into the Dallas Safari Club show. (laughs) It's just like you don't even know where to start. There's so much to see. There really is, yeah. But you were getting going with Follow Her Arrow, and you're an avid hunter. And did you grow up in a hunting family? I did, yeah. My dad has hunted for, well, as long as I can remember. Um, and then I've had, I have an older sister that hunts, and I have, I've had a stepmom in my life since I was six that, that also hunts. So I've definitely been around it. Um, I, it took me a while to, to decide, okay, dad, I'm ready to shoot a deer. But um, I think I was in end of middle school when I finally, you know, stepped up to that. But uh, I've been in the field with him for a long time. I mean, we used to hunt pretty much, you know, in our backyard. When Where I grew up, it used to be the country. It's now developed 
quite a bit, but we were surrounded in hunting country. And I just, I remember, I remember him quail hunting in our backyard or dove hunting. And it, it, it's always been in my family. Where you're at in the, what I guess we call that central Texas area. There's the quail, the, the wonderful deer habitat, the dove and plenty of hogs. Yes. All of the above. Yes. I don't recall hog hunting when I was younger. I remember setting some traps here and there, but, and, and it, it's funny because I don't remember a ton of, even a ton of deer hunting. I, I recall my dad bird hunting a lot. I remember going on a turkey hunt with them. He ate up with turkey hunting. And as I got older, I would say um, late, late elementary, going into middle school, that's when um, the deer hunting I, I started becoming really present in my life. And it's just never changed since then. He always had deer leases and uh, we always had opportunity. And now that I'm older, I see, I just see how fortunate I am to have that in, in a state where, you know, hunting can be very expensive. And he just always made sure we had a lease and sometimes two leases. And, you know, back then it wasn't near what it is now, but yep, we always had a place to go to explore the outdoors. And it became a lot of uh, my childhood and who I am today. And when did you take up bow hunting? So bow hunting came in my life uh, about seven years ago or maybe six and a half. Well, I met, so I met my husband a little over seven years ago and he had been bow hunting since he was eight years old and he's kind of a self-taught bow hunter. Um, he shot his first deer when he was 12 and then he's never really, he's touched the gun very few times since then. He just was ate up with it when he finally got that taste of success. When we met, one of the very first things we did, he was traveling a lot for work and he flew me to Kansas. He was bow hunting there. He, he always hunted Kansas when we first started dating and uh, he flew me there and I sat in a blind with him. We didn't see anything, by the way, but I got a taste of how different it was um, to be bow hunting versus rival hunting. And it's something that I always desired, but I had the opportunity to, to have an experienced bow hunter, passionate bow hunter, just a great hunter in general. Like my, my husband really is one of the best hunters I know. I, I, that seems very biased, but if you hunt with them, you just, you'll get it. And he, he taught me, he took me under his wing and held my hand. And, um, six months later, after I met him, he had, he bought me a bow for my birthday. He surprised me with it. And by that next season, I was, I had shot several animals and I've just been hooked ever since. So that's the story. Yeah. There's something about with the archery that's really, uh, really takes over once, once you get hooked you know, I know some people that don't care for it, love their guns, and I'm I'm an avid rifle hunter. I love my rifle. I've been shooting a crossbow for years, and I just love it. There's nothing like it. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you can even understand just getting closer. I think a lot of it is just being so close. Um, and, like, you, you pick up on mannerisms and, and behavior and interaction between animals. I just think, and I feel like you just see more, too. Like, you, you just just little details that I, I would miss when I was sitting in a rifle stand. All that being said, I support all hunting. I know how important rifle hunting is. And I still rifle hunt for, you know, pigs are on the property. Whenever they're tearing stuff up, we'll go out 24 hours a day, whatever we need to do to get the numbers down. And they're important. And I, like, I, res I respect all of it. But it's, it's that closeness, I think, um, the, ex the extra challenge and um, just getting to see even just like expressions in an animal's face, but I don't remember. I don't remember seeing any of that whenever I was rifle hunting. So it's just really cool uh, to see how an animal uh, interacts within its environment. Really, really, a really neat experience. Yeah, I agree. It's you know, it's one thing, and I love again. I love my rifles. I I don't care how anybody hunts. If you hunt legally, I back it. Right. Same. But what I always liked was you know when I was with a when I was shooting a rifle, if I was shooting my thirty odd six. What am I talking? 3,600 feet per second? You know, that animal didn't have a chance to flinch and move too fast. Right. When you drop that speed down, and I mean, I just picked up a bow that is rated at 400 feet per second, and even that is is not really going to shoot most likely at 400 feet per second. The animal has time to, what we all know as bow hunters, is jump the string. Yep. You spend more time, you're closer, you see those muscles twitch under the skin. You're trying to anticipate, is that deer going to jump? Is that hog going to dart? You know, 
how quick can I move? How how good? Because this arrow is going to hit the right spot. So I don't know. There's I, I'm with you. There's just something about watching that arrow hit its target that is a lot different than watching the bullet hit it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a totally different experience. I'm so grateful that he that he taught me. I never knew that I would love it the way that I do. I I desired to learn bow hunting before I met him, but I wasn't around it, and I was so intimidated by the idea of getting into it without without someone guiding me through it. So that's why I started Follow Her Arrow. I thought, man, there's probably so many women out there that feel the way that I do and just, you know, getting in, in our heads and feeling really nervous and intimidated. And it's kind of a man's world. It's becoming a lot, you know, there's a lot of women getting into it, but there's, it's still very male dominant. And anytime you approach something like that, it's just hard from a female perspective. I don't want to play the victim by any means, but it's just a lot harder um, to feel confident in that space. I'm really, I, I feel very fortunate to have had a father that taught me hunting in general and just respect for the outdoors and, and ethical hunting. And then a husband that kind of took that to the next level. And I've met so many people out there who want to get started and they don't even have that platform. They don't even have that to start with. So gosh, if I'm feeling that way and I'm used to being the only girl in camp, or if I'm used to going rifle hunting by myself and I still can't step into a bow shop, can you even imagine, you know, the numbers out there who really are just crippling themselves because they have zero experience at all, you know? Yeah. I'm handicapped. I walk with a cane and I have a very bad back. So the idea of me going into bow hunting, just like you said, scared the heck out of me. Yeah. I can certainly, because you look at it and you're like, oh my God, there's sights and there's peeps and there's cheek kissers. What is all this stuff? Yeah. So much that can go wrong. <laughs> and all I want to do is put the arrow from here to there. How do I do that? And so my step was to go into crossbows, which I'm an absolute avid crossbow hunter. About a year and a half ago, I picked up my first compound bow and I love it, but I'm not proficient enough to hunt with it yet. I don't want to go out and wound an animal or miss an animal or whatever. I only punch paper with it. But here in Michigan, where I, I no longer live in South Texas, I'm up here in Michigan where it's cold seven, eight months of the year. I ended up, and I noticed you work with them, and this is not an endorsement to anybody take it as they want to do it, but I happened to pick up an AccuBow because I actually believed in it. I could sit there on my couch like I was in a stand or in a blind and practice drawing to build my shoulder muscles. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've been I've had an AccuBow for several years now. I've used it, I've used it in a lot of different settings. I actually just did a a YouTube video over this because a lot of people ask, how does it fit into my life whenever I have a bow? I have a range right out my door. I mean, I have a 20 to 60 yard range that I shoot bang near every day that I'm, I mean, that I'm home. And they say, you know, so what's the point of it? You know, why do you have an Acubo? And the most genuine response to that is that, for, first of all, I love working out. I go to the gym a lot and I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to shoot my compound bow in the gym. <laughs> so I love having the Acubo and having that laser to see what I look like at full draw, how shaky I am at full draw or how stable I am at full draw with a high heart rate. Uh, that's a really good training tool. There's no let off. It's really increasing your strength in that way. But even more so than that example would be last summer, I switched to shooting left-handed because I found out I was left eye dominant and I'd been shooting a bow right-handed for over five years. So I switched to being left-handed and I could not even, I'm not kidding. I couldn't even pull back 35 pounds. And so rather than invest in a bow that's a, you know, maxed out at 40 pounds, which I still wouldn't hunt with, I decided to use AccuBo. And I started training my left side, developed enough strength to get a 40 to 50 pound bow. And I swear that that's, you know, the huge game changer in that whole process. Because it's, it's the scary process. And I was very weak on that side. But also, it's, even though I'm left-handed now, it's still a great tool to train the opposite. You know, it's like when you go to the gym, you work out any way, you, you train both sides, right? So why would it be any different than um, in this way? And there's a lot of shoulder injuries that happen uh, with archery, um, people trying to pull too much weight or just don't have a good draw cycle, but they don't know how to build up the right muscles. And it's just a really unique device. And I feel like it caters to any kind of person. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or advanced or what age you are, you know, now they have the, 
the virtual reality game that you can have, like you can put your, you can mount your phone on there and literally shoot animals through a phone in today's world that kids will go nuts over that. Exactly. Uh, I plan to take it. I teach archery during the summers. I plan to take a handful of them to camp next summer and have that be the introduction to archery versus here's a bow and arrow. Don't shoot me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a great introduction to. They're less scary than a bow. Yeah, I mean, you can dry fire them. I mean, who doesn't love that? My sister dry fired her bow last night. She's five. I'm like, no, don't do that. But I, I didn't teach her that. So, yes, I agree. It's a neat device. It doesn't matter what level you're at. They sell more of those for shoulder injuries than anything, believe it or not. I'm right-handed, and I you know, right, I walk with my cane in my right hand. So my right arm, right shoulder are, are fairly strong. But I'm left-eye dominant, and that was my issue when I bought my bow, is that I didn't have enough strength in my left arm to draw it back consistently and hold it steady. Yeah, oh, me too. I bought a diamond SB1 because it could be adjusted so much from 5 pounds to 70 pounds. Uh, so that yeah. fit what particular type of thing I was looking for. What, what are you shooting for a bow? What kind of equipment have you, are you set up with? I've been shooting, so the first bow my husband ever got me was a Hoyt, and I just loved it. It was a Hoyt charger. They don't even make them anymore, but I've shot Hoyt since day one. I, I've tried other bows, like in the bow shop, but I just, I love my Hoyt, and um, I can't say that marketing doesn't have something to do with it. I, I, whereas most people, I say, don't buy into marketing, don't do this, don't do that. Hoyt matches up to its marketing, it matches up to the hype. But also, I went to school for graphic design and stuff. And so, like, I just appreciate their entire brand. I can't help but consider that when it comes to anything. It just naturally is in me. But the, the equipment is wonderful. The branding is second to that. And I just, I love everything about them. Their, their customer service is great. They're very innovative. I, it, yeah, I've, I've shot Hoyt for all six and a half ish years now. And I've had probably about five or six of different bows by them. And something that's equivalent to the bow you were just saying that adjusts from like low, low poundage up to 70 is the Hoyt Ignite. And I use that as a bow fishing setup actually, so that I can go up or down depending on what I'm chasing. Oh, cool. So I, I know how wonderful it is. Yeah. I think, I think every brand ha has aligned a specific bow like that, that caters to people who are getting into it want to grow their strength um there's really not a bad brand out there like i tell everybody that don't shoot hoyt because i shoot hoyt don't shoot hoyt just because they look cool or they you know they think you think that that's going to make you a, a better shot like truly go to the bow shop shoot all of them and let the bow pick you and i'll say that forever um i think that's the most important thing is finding the one that connects with you because that's you owe that to the animal and you'll 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 figure out real quick what feels natural and i i wrote a blog on that too because i get more questions about finding your first bow and what to look for um i get that question probably more than any other question there are just a few key things to pay attention to while you're shopping for one and more than anything don't let other people's opinion get get in the way of <laughs> of what you think you should have and that's what i've always said is you know you're in a good bow shop when you go in there and tell them you're wanting to buy a bow and you're not sure which one, and they insist that you try like six or eight of them. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's kind of difficult for like kids and women and especially left-handed shooters. They typically don't have a lot of options. It can be difficult in that way, but there are a few shops that keep them all stocked and you can find one like that, that even will let you, like, I would say even four, I would say five is a good number, but even four, like just, just shoot more than one or two. And, and of course, if it comes down to a budget issue, like that's going to change a lot of things too. I, I know people who have gotten bows out of pawn shop and killed mm -hmm. stuff with it, you know, like they're, they will all kill the biggest thing is being comfortable with it and being consistent in anything that you do. Archery is all consistency. And that's why one person does one thing, the other person does another, but they're both very successful. If you can just replicate over and over and over again what you what you do from the beginning, you're going to be successful. And like I said, I'll preach that forever. Yes. Now, for people that aren't familiar, because I want to take a step back to the overall picture of Follow Her Arrow. You and Braxton are doing something unique. You don't have some big mansion down in Texas from a big moneyed family that just says, Hey, I'm going to take off and hunt for a living. Tell a little bit about your living situation. Cause I think that really encapsulates how you and Braxton live your life and have created the follow her arrow. We've kind of, we've jumped all over in the last, in the last year and a half or so. Um, our life got kind of 
chaotic. Um, you know, he's always dreamt of having an outdoor career, um, whether it's guiding or managing a ranch or working for an outdoor company. Like that's where his heart is. And he's been in construction for a long time. Like since he's a teenager, he's been in construction and he's very, very good at what he does. Um, his niche is concrete, actually. And we do well between the two of us where we do well. But when it comes to where like where he wants to be, we want him to be in an outdoor career position, which would be a huge pay cut. You know, we're, t- we're totally aware of that. And we just got to a place where it's like, do we want to spend our money living in a home with a big mortgage where we can't travel and we're not in a position for him to take a job that would pay less? Or do we simplify our life where we have some extra money right now? We're prepared if something else comes along that, you know, you know, for both of us. And so we live in a fifth wheel. <laughs> We live in a travel trailer. And I think that's awesome. I think that's absolutely the best way to do it. I, I love it. I I can't believe how much I love it, in fact. Um, so it's been, I think what's so cool about being married to him, too, is that I, you know, I have these crazy ideas and he's just like, yeah, let's try it. Like, he's kind of fearless in that way. And he's very much a, you know, it's only permanent if we make it permanent. Like, that's the way he thinks. And it's very refreshing because I tend to panic a little bit. It's like I want to let go and be simple and, and free myself from all these burdens. But it's still scary in the process, you know. Like, when we were throwing out our stuff, I was, like, trying not to have a heart attack. You know, we had <laughs> we had a storage full of stuff uh, because we had moved three, I don't know, three or four times. Uh, what happened is he took a job. Uh, we moved to a ranch. They were covering our bills, our, you know, our house, you know, when you become a ranch manager, they, they give you all of that. And so, and then six months later, they laid off like 10 or so people and he was the last one hired. So we, we thought we were walking into like this dream opportunity on this 21,000 acre ranch in the hill country of Texas. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was a life that we really desired. And I just always say God had a different plan because six months later, we were barely getting settled into that house. We find out we have to leave. This all happens right before we go on an adventure of a lifetime over to Australia. We hunted Australia together for two weeks. Wow. And then after that two weeks, I went to New Zealand and he came home and he's like, I can't go to Australia and not have a job. You know, I won't be able to enjoy it. He took a position in South Texas on a private ranch. And so then we two weeks in Australia, he comes home, I go to New Zealand, he moved everything to that South Texas ranch, he gets there, he's there for not even a week, I get a text message that doesn't feel right. I don't know why it doesn't feel right doesn't feel right. I'm going home. We move all I get home from New Zealand, I hit the airport, drive to South Texas with a U-Haul, haul all of our stuff back home. <laughs> Where I mean, this is literally this is it was total chaos. It's probably the hardest thing we've ever been through as a couple. I mean, we just were so unstable. What do we do with our life? Stay in my dad's uh little garage apartment for just a couple months in the summer. And then we were about to build a house and I'm like, you know, it's it our dream home. And I just thought, actually, with Braxton's idea, he gets home from, from work because he went back to construction. He had to figure out something. And he says, why are we building this big home? Like what we're going to be so so we can just have a dream home. I mean, he's like, well, you're never home. You're traveling because I'm, I'm always traveling for what I do. Um, I'm being sent all over the place. And he's like, you're not home. When we are home together, we're outdoors fishing or visiting, hanging out with friends, hunting, whatever. And he said, I just don't know, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that. And I was like, yeah, maybe you're right. And I I can't really remember how we came to living in a fifth wheel, but I do remember the, the simple idea of if you were to lose your job or I was to get cut, you know, if I had a bunch of sponsors cut me and we're, you know, trying to figure out life again. I want to be able to hook up to my truck and take my home with me. I'm not, it, it, you know, it's one thing to, to lose a job and have to have to just go find another one. But when you have to relocate your entire life for that job, it's a lot of big changes at once. And it was a, an emotional roller coaster. I mean, it was, it was pretty devastating when it all went down and then it happened again in South Texas. And I just said, why are we doing this to ourselves? You know? So it came out of, fear a little bit but also for just the love of traveling and the love of adventure and where we want to put our money we weren't interested in building a big home or or having babies anytime soon and we wanted money to go and oh you want to go back to australia yeah we have the funding very cool that's where it came from yeah it's kind of a long backstory but there's definitely a story behind it we didn't just decide to have a fifth wheel right when we got together as Jessica Taylor Byers, you are the face of Follow Her Arrow. You are 
the the person that's there and Braxton supports that and I think he films a lot of your hunts, correct? He does. Well, he used to film a lot more. The more I've started to go outside of Texas a lot, so it becomes a little bit harder for him to be everywhere that I am. But usually I can, if I'm not self-filming, I can maybe bring a friend along or a lot of times there it, it becomes a short film. So there'll be a, a, a crew of people or something. But yes, the, the majority of hunts that you're going to find online or especially my earlier stuff, that's all him. And he takes a lot of my pictures for me. He's kind of gotten in the habit of just like grabbing the camera and capturing just everyday life because rather than having to like go out and do a photo shoot, it's just, we just live the way we live and it's really easy to get content, but he's gotten really good at just grabbing the camera and snapping a few photos. And I don't know what I would do without He's been off. He's really come a long way behind the camera for sure. That's an art unto itself. You know, every time I try to self-film a hunt, I'm like, what am I doing? It's a nightmare. (laughs) It is. It's hard not to say, oh, I just, well, whatever, I just won't get it. And really, I mean, sometimes that's an option. I go out a lot without filming anything just for my sanity. I don't like to have every single thing in my life documented. But yeah, there are times where I'm like, no, Jess, you really need to film this. And you just do the best that you can. And tell me, where did the idea for Follow Her Arrow come from? What, Why did you create this? What's your goal? I kind of touched on it earlier in terms of just like the fear that I felt. And I realized how many women out there probably were scared to pick up a bow or even just like getting started. You know, walking into a pro shop is probably so intimidating to them. And then I thought even though I had two men teach me everything I know about the outdoors, there's something different and comforting about learning from a woman. Like I, I have learned a handful of things from women and I just feel more at home when I have that. I don't know what, we're just made differently. We think differently. It's easier to learn from each other. So that's really what started it. Like, okay, well maybe I can help other women out there who want to get started, but they don't really want to approach a man or if they don't have a man in their life that, you know, a brother, a father, a boyfriend, husband that does any of this, they can reference my stuff. And so that's when I just started writing about my experiences and documenting it, talking about the good and the bad and and what I learned along the way. I started it, I guess, in 2015. And I, so I'd had a bow in my hand for probably like two and a half years when I started it. I just kept meeting women that are like, I could never do that. I don't know how you do that. And I'm like, man, I used to think the same thing. And it was, it's hard, especially in a world where you see the number of hunters declining and like you're robbing yourself of the experience and the opportunity to help with future generations and conservation and stuff. So there's a little bit of everything wrapped up into one. And of course that's evolved over time, but the brand, you know, that's, that's the mission behind it. Get, get more bows in women and children's hands. And of course, course that's evolved into men too I talked to a lot of men that are like I got into bow hunting because of you which is awesome but that was never my motive from the beginning it was to connect with other women and the brand as far as like naming it follow her arrow came from have you heard the Casey Musgrave song follow your arrow yes no okay so that song I think had been released for one or two years I think I'd have to go back and like look it up online but it had been out for a while but for whatever reason it was still very in at the time like it's still very much like a hot song at the time and and I loved it I love the message behind it I love how open-minded it was and so I originally tried to name it follow your arrow but that was taken and then I thought well follow your arrow is not showing the feminine side of it and so I just changed your to her and it was available on literally every platform the domain was available and I just thought it was meant to be and I wanted a brand that yes quite literally bow and arrow follow follow her arrow obviously but also just follow her arrow like wherever you whatever you want to do in life even if it's not hunting whatever it is I want anybody to chase that I want them to believe in you know their full potential and what they're capable of and that they can make their dreams a reality and so it encompassed all of that and it just it just kind of fell into place. I don't know. Oh, cool. There's really more, no more explanation than that. No, that's great. I'm always curious how the backstory on how people develop their items, you know, and and that was exactly what I was wondering is how you came up with that. And that's really cool. And, you know, I've been following your website for a few years and it's changed and it's, it's a fantastic website. I have a link to it in the show notes, but it's followherarrow.com. And one thing I like is you have that calendar function out there on your website and you have a couple of really cool hunts coming up. Uh, one in Wyoming and one in Montana. Yeah. Oh, I just updated that. I'm, 
that's so cool that you even noticed that. I need to put a few more events on there. But yes, I'm so excited about those. Yeah. Now, where are you hunting in Wyoming? So I drew a Unit 21 tag. I, I honest to God, this is the, this is the honest truth. I got a lot of I got a lot of crap for this, but I had a family reach out to me through social media. Um, I've, I've been talking to them for a couple of years now, and they're not an outfit. They're just just down to earth people. And again, it's been a couple of years in the making. They kept telling me, put in for Unit 21, put in for Unit 21. They always set up this wall tent camp on public land and they go up to like 9,000 feet and they just do like a family and friends situation. It's like I said, no paying clients. There's no, you know, they're not trying to get any type of exposure or anything from me, which is very rare. And it just was appealing to me because there's a wife, a daughter and a granddaughter and they all hunt. Oh, neat. And the youngest, the granddaughter is three now, but she's been on their back hunting since she was eight months old hunting antelope and i'm like i just can't even think of a better first first antelope hunt than to put in for this unit and fly up there and be in camp with them so i'll be hunting with them i'm flying into casper wyoming okay it's a couple hours from there to get to where we're going to be hunting but yeah that's that's I'm hunting with. Never shook their hand before. I do this a lot, actually. I've met a ton of people through social media. I can usually kind of weed out like what's legit and what's not a good, you know, not a good situation. And this one's been a couple years in the making. I'm really, really excited about it. Oh, I bet. Yeah, they do a ton of spot and stalking. They do some sitting over water, but mainly spot and stalking. They do. They've been doing this every year for a while, so it should be fun. If nothing else, I'm going to connect with some pretty cool people. Um, they've they've been really wonderful to talk to. And then, do you leave from Wyoming and go straight to Montana? So my my Wyoming hunt is from August 14th to the 20th, and then I come home, and about roughly 10 days later, I'll take off for Montana. We're probably, we're driving there, so my husband drew that tag as well. We both drew our friend's voice Montana tag, so we both we both have a tag burning a hole in our pocket, and we are going to leave around the first or second and drive up there. So it's going to be, we're going to make it a road trip and try to maybe meet some people along the way, visit some different areas that we've never been to. Yeah, just, just make it an adventure um the season opens september 7th so we're planning to be there around the 5th and get settled and we'll be hunting for uh he has off all of september so however long it takes but oh, wow the first week we've had we had a really incredible opportunity to hunt a property it's ten thousand acres and i don't know you've ever heard of the ballard ranch in montana you ever heard of that I have not. Okay. Um, it, it's a pretty incredible property. Uh, we just happened to draw a tag for that area. We had some friends reach out and ask, would you want to hunt this property? And we were very quick to accept. So we'll be there for a week. And then if we don't fill our tags or if we still have one left over, we'll just drop into on a DIY public land. Like we've, we we kind of have some backup A, B, and C plans of what we were planning to do from, from the beginning. And then my dad will fly in around the 21st because he just, he didn't draw his unit, but he has a general tag. So we'll hunt a different property. So my dad's tag. Oh, cool. So you're going to be up there darn near a whole month. Yeah, similar to last year. Last year, I did three weeks in the Colorado wilderness on horseback. It'll be kind of like that, but now I'll have my husband and my dad for some of it. Great. Now, are you taking the fifth wheel? Or you're going to just pack up and take everything up there? No, 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 no. We'll, we'll just pack up um, everything in the truck. We may pull our hunting cargo trailer because we've talked about the, with the opportunity to fill three elk tags you know you can imagine the amount of meat we're talking about we have a deep freeze like a medium-sized deep freezer we've talked about not completely gutting our hunting trailer but taking out a, a, a lot of stuff and hauling that freezer up there just because if you're in the middle of nowhere and i mean god forbid we were like if we happen to kill two elk in the same day just trying to get that to a processor and keep it all cool and then hauling two racks like there's just a lot of what if and oh, so we, yeah. we're playing around with the idea of calling that cargo trailer um, just because we both have tags if, or we all three have tags. If we just one of us had ta a tag, it would be a lot different. But you're doubling up everything and that can get kind of crazy. And I don't want any of that meat to go bad. So depending on how far in we go. Yeah. I mean, you're potentially tripling up if your dad gets one. Yes. And, you know, you got to dream big. So, of course, in our minds, 
with opportunity on the Ballard Ranch, there's a really good opportunity to both fill our tag because of management of that property. It's done very, very well. If we happen to both fill our tag, we've already said we'd love to drop down into Idaho and try to get a cow over the counter because there's other people in my family that really want elk meat too. So I'm like, why wouldn't we do that? If we have all this time off, I don't, I'm not going to go home early if we tag out. You know, we have the time. Let's just make it an adventure. And so we're just, we have all these different, like, different plans and backup plans and uh, we want to be prepared for all of it so we'll see <laughs> we're still figuring it all out this is all this is all stuff that we've been hashing out over the last few weeks and just trying to get all of our ducks in a row or you know especially our food situation and our um, sleeping arrangements if we're in the middle of nowhere it's a lot to think about and that's part of the fun of it yeah oh yeah for sure we love it so you guys will be hunting montana you have the potential to go over to idaho if you if you tag out early so that you can come back and be ready for your dad you got a great central wyoming tag for antelope and antelope meat have you harvested an antelope before i have not and i've never i don't recall ever trying it like if i've had it i don't i don't know that i've had it so it's really good maybe like in meat sticks i think i've had some mixed into meat sticks but never pure antelope and i've heard it's wonderful so i'm excited I drew an antelope tag a number of years ago for New Mexico. And so I drove up to Dalhart, Texas, and then over to Clayton, New Mexico. And literally, because of my handicap, I was allowed to hunt out of the truck using my rifle. So completely different than an archery hunt. Right. By the time we hit the dirt road, from the time we hit the dirt road until the time the antelope hit the ground was maybe 25 minutes. Wow. So it was really... That's incredible. Yeah, it was... And we didn't expect it to be that fast. It just happened to be that we knew where this one particular antelope was, and we were going to look for him, and we thought we were going to spend most of the day glassing to to get a shot at him. Right. And we came over a hill in the road, and he was... The driver just instantly stopped. He goes, oh my God, he's right there. And right there for an antelope was 200 yards out in this field. So... Wow. He whipped around to try and do a three-point turn. He did two of the three points, and I just rested my gun on the mirror, and he did yep, a, yep. a um, sight you know, through the windshield. He goes, I hope this is right. Uh, he had gone from 200 yards to a little over 400 yards in a matter of you know less than 30 seconds. And yeah. I did a shot. We both thought I missed, and we ended up walking out in the field, and he was six foot two, three, and I'm five foot nothing. And he's like, congratulations, you got him. And I'm like, I can't see anything. And so we had to walk another 20 yards before I could actually see. And so it was an amazing time, even though it was very short, it was fun, fast packed. And New Mexico is one of my favorite places to go. Um, so. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I, I've elk hunted there several years and it is a, just a, an incredible special place. I've hunted the Gila several times and I, it is near and dear to my heart. So, yeah, I, uh, and sometimes the hunts like that, I mean, I understand getting, you know, really working hard for a hunt and, and it's extremely gratifying. I do think the harder you work, the more gratifying it is, but there's something really gratifying about a quick hunt like that because it's so unexpected. So your emotions like skyrocket because you just can't believe it happened. It's like a shock factor. Mm-hmm. So I've had those too. That happened on a turkey hunt with Braxton and I. We were like, we were bass fishing and I'm like, I'm not catching any fish. And there's one gobble over there. We had, we had had the worst turkey hunting season ever. And I'm like, I'm going to go chase that bird. He goes, well, hell, if you're going to chase it, I'm going to chase it with you. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's go. We run back to the house, grab a gun. We go out and 20 minutes later, we had a bird on the ground. You could not have paid me to believe it would actually work out. <laughs> it was still, it is still to this day, probably one of my favorite hunts with him. And, you know, it wasn't filmed. It was so unexpected the excitement level was like times 10 because neither one of us really thought we were going to get it you know and he called it in for me perfect i mean that bird put on a show and we just laughed and smiled the like nonstop that whole you know that, that whole week we're just like i can't believe that just happened that is crazy because we had hunted the birds hard on that property and it just wasn't working and uh you know sometimes it's the way it goes i still just i just i can't even quit smiling right now thinking about that so i mean i think any hunt is just special it's what you make of it yep i think it's really cool when you have the mindset of a it's probably not going to work out we're going to try it anyway or b this there's a good chance it'll work out but we're going to put in a lot of blood sweat and tears 
and then it happens like that. So, you know, whatever. It's all fun. Hunting's fun. <laughs> it's all good. And, you know, everything's uh, what I really appreciate about New Mexico doing as a as a handicap hunter myself is the effort that New Mexico puts into making sure there's accessible seasons for everybody. And not every state does that. New Mexico is one of the few that really stands out. And I, I give them so much credit for their Department of Natural Resources and the work that they do to put on a handicap season. That's really cool. I've never heard of, I've never heard this before. Like that, I mean, I love New Mexico, but that makes me have a whole different respect for them. And I guess it's just nothing I've ever considered. So I think it's great. I think it's great that you notice that and that you talk about it and that, and that you, you know, let them know because. Yeah. And they put every, you know, when you talk about the Gila and, and all those quality areas where a huge elk is completely doable. Realistic. Yep, yep. New Mexico says, and this is a little simplification, but basically they say, here's the archery season. Then before we start up rifle season, right generally about the middle of rut, we're going to throw a handicap season in there where you have to, only, only people with handicap tags are out there in the woods and they can walk, they can stalk, they can go in a wheelchair, they can hunt out of a car, whatever it is that allows them to participate, they can do, and then we'll start up the rifle season. So, okay, so does that, that doesn't overlap, they do the same thing with youth, right? Or does it overlap with handicap? Oh, uh, you know, I'd have to look at the book, They those two might overlap with each other a little bit. Okay, I only say that because, like I said, I've, I've hunted the Gila three times before, and just when it started getting so good, I mean, the bulls are screaming the season ends, and it goes into youth for a week. Yep. So I'm curious if maybe youth and handicap is the same week, and it's so cool, right? Like, it's so cool that the prime, I, not everybody will agree with this, but I think it's awesome that the prime time to hunt them has landed for youth, and now I'm learning handicap too, or at least it's around that time. Um, I think because, they overlap. And I think it's, I mean, that's a, that's a, those are two great things to overlap. I, I, a lot of hunters are like, I wish the season was longer for archery. And, but listen, we have what, three weeks to get it done, even if they're not screaming. Like, I just think it's so cool that kids and handicapped even have that opportunity. I mean, that's the future, right? Like that's the future of hunting. So when I, I didn't realize handicap overlapped it, overlapped it, but having the youth have an opportunity at those types of hunt is what we should all strive for, in my opinion, because that's, what's going to keep it alive. Oh yeah. New Mexico has a youth bighorn sheep hunt. They've got, I mean, theoretically, if you were born in New Mexico or were a New Mexico resident and put in, you could take a, a bighorn sheep before 18 and then still be eligible for a draw as an adult. That's unheard wow. of. Wow. Yeah. That's really nice to know because I, I tend to complain a lot about the New Mexico system because I've put in for five years and never drawn. I've been fortunate enough to still hunt it because we pretty much spent our life, we would like spend our last dime on a landowner tag. And I'm, we're to the point now where like, we don't do it anymore just because we can't afford it. And I just say, you know, that whenever I draw is the next time I'll be able to hunt those, that area. Um, because there's just too many places that I, when I can go on a three, four, five hunts for the same price of that one hunt, I can't justify it anymore. Right. I, I yeah, you can, you'll hear me complaining because I've, I've yet to draw. I think it's been, this is my fifth year to put in and I still haven't drawn anything. So one day I hope to, but. The outfitter I hunted with has got his outfit is Compass West Outfitters, and he lives in New Mexico. He's originally from Michigan, where I'm at, and he's kind of like you. He's like, I'm an outfitter. I live here, and he goes, I don't ever get drawn for anything. So he kind of laughs, you know. But it, it is, it's that's why I always tell folks if you if you put in for it, New Mexico's that territory that put in for it. If you get drawn, thank the creator and head on out and enjoy the heck out of whatever hunt you've drawn. Yep. Soak it up because you never know when it's going to happen again. I've had a couple friends that are, I just, they're just the luckiest ever. They first year put in, they draw like one of five tags, you know, that are even given. I'm like, what in the world, you know, but it's great that it can be that way because then it, it gives everybody the same opportunity. It does. And one thing I like about your website, and, and I'm going to refer back to it because I really think this is cool. I've used it before, is when you're on followherarrow.com, you have it broken down. And under partners, what I've liked is if you go to outfitters, you can scan through. And I like that if, if I want to watch your alligator hunt, I just click and view the video. And, and that was a cool video where you're whacking that alligator. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and I just like to be able to go through and say, oh, turkey hunting, I, I want to watch that or, or whatever. So it's just another way to access your YouTube channel. But I, I thought it was kind of cool. That's, I'm really glad that you reminded me that it did that. The guy that I 
collaborated with to do that website. I had some ideas and he brought them to life and it's been, it's really hard to maintain all the functions of it. And he did such a wonderful job. Mm -hmm. And I have some more videos that I need to link to those. So thank you for reminding me. Oh, sure. I'm because I, my website is a mess right now as I'm redoing it. Anytime I see a great website like yours, I, I like to pick at it. And like I said, I've followed your website for a number of years. So it's, it's been a neat to watch it evolve and watch you evolve and watch what you guys do evolve. Well, I really appreciate it. And I, I'm going to plug something right now on your podcast because I think it's really, really important that people know this because the website, a website is like such, it's like a resume that anybody can access at any time. And I think it's really important that you have one that's appealing to an audience. Mm Mm-hmm. I highly recommend, highly recommend, like I, I tell everybody about this guy. His name is Sam. He's the one who did my website. It's his information. There should be a link at the bottom of mine of who created my website. I told him to put it on there because I'm, I'm so happy to give him business. He's wonderful to work with. He's passionate. He's fast. He's efficient. He's got a designer's eye. He's creative. I can't say enough good things about him, but um, there's a link at the bottom of my, of my website, or you can go to livingcountryinthecity.com and it may redirect you to his he has rebranded his whole his company it may redirect you to so it may redirect you um but contact him uh he's he's great it is there you scroll down to the bottom of your website it's living country in the city it'll pull up a second page so yours doesn't shut down and he's got it all out there about what he does and yeah including contact and where he's at and and everything so if you're looking for website design and i, I this is not mine. I just back it up what you say. He's got everything to show for the social media uh, request form. You know, he's got everything out there. So, you know, take advantage of it if you need that help. Yeah. And he's reasonable, too. I mean, a lot of people will quote you ridiculous uh, numbers for websites, especially big firms. But he's he's great. Uh, I, I he who helped me bring mine to life. And if you you've seen you saw my earlier websites, I've kind of been a little all over the place and he kind of. He uh, made it a little bit more organized. I should say a lot more organized. So, yes, contact him if you're wanting that. And I, I'm saying that to you as well because he's just – he's great. Fantastic. <laughs> I think I think it looks fantastic. So uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so anybody can access that either from your website or from the show notes. But, you know, I've had you on. I appreciate your time. We haven't even really touched on – there's so much more, but I hope to have Jan in the future at some point. I'd like to get in and talk to you about the bear hunt you did. I'd like to get in and talk to you about some of your bow fishing. But most importantly, maybe we can get Jan after you're back from Montana so we can hear about how you did for antelope and elk and how that went. Yeah, of course. You just let me know. I'd be more than happy to jump on anytime. I, you just If I'm available, uh, you've got my time. So just let me know. Awesome. I I look forward to it. And again, folks, if you're looking for just phenomenal content to watch, I hear people a lot of times go, what's a good YouTube channel I like to watch? What's a good this? What's a good that? Jessica Taylor Byers of followerarrow.com has just some great videos out there. There's also, isn't there a, and I should have this written down, but isn't there a movie that you guys did? So we have two films that we submitted into the Badlands Film Fest which is it, it that film fest premieres every year in January at ATA, which is the biggest archery show in the world. And I've submitted two films. They've both made it to the finals. I had one that placed and one that just made it on the screen, which is still, still awesome. <laughs> one, my first year submission is called Marrow, uh, like Bone Marrow. Mm-hmm. The second one, which is probably my favorite, most people may, most people have seen Marrow and they just, that they fall in love with that film because it resonates with them. The second one is kind of like, um, it's kind of a thank you to the two men that have shaped my outdoor career and it kind of, it highlights them. So it's about my dad and my husband and it's, called grounded and that's from this past year and that i think that film is a lot better it uh, it is so incredibly special to me they are both on my youtube channel i believe grounded is my featured film on my channel right now and either one of those marrow or grounded um, those are some of the very high-end cinematic films that i did with a great production company out of denton texas uh first light productions i i hire them for anything of that caliber 
because they're just absolutely wonderful. And are those available on Badlands to watch? They're available on Badlands and on my YouTube channel. Yes. Okay. They should both be under, when you go to my YouTube channel, you can go to playlist and it'll break down different categories. They should both be under hunt videos. I'll have links to your YouTube channel, your Instagram. I encourage folks to go out. If you're not already following Jessica on her Instagram, it's really a a neat channel to watch to see the different items that come across. Always good. Same with, with the YouTube channel. So I'll have links to all that in the show notes. And again, I can't thank you enough for your time. Yeah, thank, I appreciate it. I always love connecting with people, especially an old, you know, I, I cannot believe we met that many years ago and we're just now catching up. But thank you. Thank you for staying in touch and reaching out and reconnecting and hopefully we can talk again soon. Well, I've had figure I time to quit being a lurker and actually reach out and touch base with you. <laughs> Don't ever refer to yourself as a lurker. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just kidding. Um, uh, but no, I, I really enjoy watching what you and, and Braxton are doing, uh, watching the hunts that you do and the content as, as a father with young daughters, even though for whatever reason, none of my kids have or want anything to do with hunting. But it is the younger generation that boys and girls that we need to get into hunting if we want to keep this going. And so I appreciate and, and applaud everything that you do for the children and the women and men and, and everybody just to get them involved in the hunting. Thank you. Thank you so much. That always means that a lot coming from fathers. Like, I don't know, I just have a soft place whenever I hear from dads with girls and, and kids. So, so thank you for that. You're welcome. You keep it up and you have a wonderful day. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Come early spring, it's getting green Fisher on the bed Hear those turkeys gobble It's ringing in my head The winter rides bass boat Here comes another year Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Oh, we command the outdoors Yeah, we command the outdoors Come summertime, we're feeling fine Fishing on the lake Flipping jigs in Carolina rigs From early morning till real late Bonfires on Creek Bank Kick back a couple beers Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we command the outdoors Yeah, we command the outdoors Next year's doves until you know winter's on the way Brushing blinds and deer stands The fever starts to creep Fill our freezers full of ducks Lots of tender deer Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we command the outdoors Yeah, we So grab your guns and shells, boys Put on your camouflage Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors